different after murder games yeah you already did the die <laughs> what happens once you've been murdered maybe yeah maybe not everyone's murdered but like some people mm-hmm. when do <laughs> i'm like what is spoilers and what is <laughs> i mean it's like you get the, into it pretty early it, yeah, yeah i mean the the synopsis for the show is literally when people die they go here oh well then yeah it's as you already knew it going in so yeah we're talking about death parade <laughs> The thing where you, when you die, you could play game now. Yeah, so we're talking about Death Parade, which has arguably one of the best intros. That in like a in a twist. So usually in anime, the intro song is like really hype, and you like it gets you pumped for whatever the show is, or it's like really emotional and gets you pumped mm-hmm. for whatever it is. And then the outro is usually really poppy and fun, and it doesn't make any sense because we were just like. Really sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like your favorite character just died. And then it's like, da 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 da. You're like, no, <laughs> incorrect. That's not what I want to feel right now. The emotion. Like, the, do, the, do, do, do. It doesn't correlate. I'm yeah. upset. I don't know how to process this. <laughs> Whereas this one, uh, Flyers by Bradio, is super hype and fun and just groovy, just groovy time. And then the show is depressing. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly depressing. It's like depressing, but with style. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's what, yeah. you know. But the song is happy. So I get what you're saying. It's like hard because it's like, it really sets you up for like, this is going to be a bop. Like the whole show is going to be that. Like that's yeah, the, the energy you're going in. And then you're like, oh, wow. No, that's, this is a lot of philo- philosophy and sadness and the whole thing humanity is, is just why ooh. do we even try <laughs> yeah. what even is the point of life very depressing yeah. and uh, it's worth it's, it but depressing. there are games in it which is why it's games um but this i would say is definitely one of my all-time favorites like i binged it <laughs> both times like i binged it again because i was like what are we doing um yeah. and i just remember we like you and i cat and then friends all just like watched it all together and it was like a whole experience of like going through it because it's really thrilling you really don't know what to expect in this and you feel like emotional attachment to people who are gonna die <laughs> like, yeah or, or who are, who are dead. already dead yeah. they're already dead uh and you're just like and you're only gonna see them for like a minute you know <laughs> yeah you know 15 minutes 20 minutes they do um, a lot of character development for like a really short period of time that, that i'll give like the writers of the show a lot of credit for because it, it's I'm still very sad that we don't know if there's going to be more, but it's like really, they do a fantastic job of making you care about everybody within Mm -hmm. like super quick amount of time. So I think that's like a testament to the good writing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they're like, Kat and I were talking when we were kind of writing up our script for this and there's this whole exploration of like what happens when you die. And one of the options is the void. And yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll do the word. But it's like, it's actually pretty scary. The Void is actually pretty scary because it was like, it's not nothing. It's awful, (laughs) which I'll explain in it. It's actually really scary. Um, And like, I get it. Like, I don't know (laughs) if I want to be reincarnated. I don't know if I want that option. Um, It's just the human experience is so hard that it's like, well, I won't do again, but in a whole different time now you know I don't even remember that i just did this. yeah like, like you don't, don't you don't carry anything. any of the lessons with you it doesn't yeah. get any easier you just kind of in an endless cycle of pain yeah and, and for chaos what? uh and for what? why are those the options 
Yeah. If this, like, if we die and this is, like, the, what the, what it was, <laughs> like, this is the one that is real, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be mad. <laughs> I'm so upset. Like, yeah, really, it's kind of like one? that whole, like, if this has been a simulation the whole time, it's like, who's in charge of mine? Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> but I mean, like, well, theirs wasn't a simulation. I know. They it's just, like, more so it's, like, I feel like it's a similar line of thinking or maybe I'm just, like, trying to connect dots, but it's weird. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just think if, like, the way that they do it, like, who's, why are they in charge? Yeah, who Who's in charge of them? Who's in charge of the in charge? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess it's, like, we'll talk about it, too, is, like, a good place. Uh, And there's, like, similar themes in there. But, like, that whole idea of, like, the people who are in charge are also, like, not perfect. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and also have some problems. So, like... Ain't nobody should be over anybody. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of uh, I've been rewatching Supernatural or watching Supernatural for the first time, and that whole thing it was like the ups aren't doing good stuff for real, even though they're supposed to be the better place. So mm-hmm. it's like sometimes that was just, just gone. Gosh, it's like yeah, being around. in charge is just <laughs> not like, great. Man. Why we? Why does anyone have to be in charge? And then it's also like anarchy, and it's like what is the right thing to do? No one knows, and that's why it's insane to exist um yeah but people are good even without the threat of what happens in the afterlife there's plenty of people who don't believe in an afterlife who are perfectly fine individuals yeah so well, i'll get into that in my <laughs> philosophy time because it's like a thing it's mm-hmm. like if you gotta tell someone not to murder somebody and that's the only thing keeping them from it that's not they might have started they're not off problems. on the right yeah, <laughs> yeah like they're, they're already, already like it's inauthentic in their goodness mm-hmm. yeah. uh, uh, and that doesn't actually for fear of hell, exactly because right? like, um, then you're just a poser <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i mean poster. ultimately that's what most societies ask you to be unfortunately yeah so it's like kind of this very religion chaotic and stressful like what is real time um what are what are we supposed to be doing no one knows and that's why it's so stressful yeah we just do and then we're done just be yeah. Um, and for people who are watching, if you're wondering what we look like, why we look like this, watch the show. Yeah. Cat is Deckham. Yeah. And I am Nona. Yeah. That's it. That's all. I want to share that. Essentially just fashion. I worked hard on this stupid <laughs> It looks cosplay. great. Um, it was really fun. Yeah, it's super fashion-y. I, it's such an aesthetically pleasing film. Or show. Yeah. Uh, it's just cool. Like a, it has persona energy, but I don't think it's made by the same people. I don't really know. No. Uh, so. All right. I'm going to go to my section, Kat. Let's so do it. We'll move over. <laughs> I put me up. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> as explained, we're going to be talking about Death Parade, which is from 2015, which will make you sad soon. When <laughs> you hear about the fact that there's no season two. Um, what is it about? After death, humans go to either heaven or hell, but for some, at the instant of their death, they arrive at the Quindecum, a bar attended by the mysterious white-haired Decum. Director, Yuzuru Tachikawa. Um, cool. So, Death Parade is amazing and very sad. Yeah. <laughs> and furthermore, is sad because there is only one season, and it is only an anime, so you can't even, like, read the manga to get more of the story and to keep yeah. going. Because, like, I had some questions. I was, like, about the higher-ups and, like, the other uh, arbiters that are in there. Like, there's there's a lot of intricately woven characters and storylines happening over there. <laughs> that yeah. I'm like, what about... I want to know. <laughs> and I don't get to know. Um, so, sadly, there isn't uh, a second season as of right now. And it's really tragic. And, honestly, the true horror story. Yeah. This whole thing. Uh, there's been rumored uh, that there would be a season two for years now. <laughs> the studio Madhouse, which brought us Death Note, One Punch Man, Hunter Hunter, and more, hasn't said that it like canceled the show. Like yeah. it's not happening. But the s- second season has been TBD since 2016. It's yeah. now 2021, and we're yeah. like already in like the animation desert because people aren't working anymore. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> knows so it's hard to really remain hopeful uh which is you know the right mindset to watch this 
show anyway. Uh, but if there were to be a season two, it's it's also hard to imagine what it'll cover exactly because um, there's no source material. Usually in anime, that it's an adaptation of the manga. So like they can, they kind of like, it's not always following the same story and they do their own things like we saw with Promise Neverland 2. <laughs> season yeah. two. But they do pull things from it as we saw with Promise Neverland 2. Uh because it has all of those resources. Same thing with like B stars. Yeah, it, there's like something to pull from. It's like uh, you, you get a vague idea of like where the story might go. Yeah, there's not that for this because it was all just thought up by Tachikawa, who has this short film called Billiards, which is what this piece is actually based off of. I haven't gotcha. watched Billiards, but I'm pretty interested. In yeah. Um, I think this is such an underrated show, and I think that's what the series is going to be. Is like. You haven't watched this yet? <laughs> okay, get on it. Um, although, like, everyone watches Squid Game. So hopefully it's like, you watch Squid Game, you must be interested in, in games with murder and yeah. the exploration of the human soul and who is good and who is bad and what do you do yeah. when you're back And this will scratch that itch. Yes. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's great. And as I said before, it really makes you feel for characters Um like, even though you're only going to see him for an episode or two, like yeah. tops. And uh, as we played in the beginning, the intro song is a bop. Uh, and will most likely be played at my wedding because it yeah. is a treasure. I should, <laughs> so, man. So the synopsis for this program, uh, I'll go through kind of like what's happening in it. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a lot. And then we'll get into some of the gritty and then Kat will get into like philosophy. And you can ask yourself if you're a good person and you would deserve a second chance um it is fun a fun show but it also explores some philosophical ideas that have you question your own goodness in death parade we follow deckham who is a bartender and arbiter um he's this monotone soft boy who uh holds these games for folks who've just died yeah uh strangers sometimes lovers sometimes long lost friends arrive at the underworld bar and are forced to play this game uh, and they, the games can range from anywhere from darts, arcade games, and even Old Maid. <laughs> like, it's yeah. anything. There's even hinted in the intro, which is another reason why I'm like, it looks so fun. Everyone's having so much fun. Uh, uh, the character, Nona, is playing DDR. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know yeah. how that would work, but I want to see that happen. There's like a twister. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and so they, the people who are playing, know that they have to play to win. And they're told that their lives are on the line. Uh, that if they don't, like they're playing for their lives, essentially. Yeah. That's all they're told. Um, however, through the journey of the games, the person's true intent who they were in the world and whether they are worthy of a second chance are revealed um, throughout the game. Like tensions are running high and you really don't know what to expect because they don't know what to expect. Uh, you're just meeting these characters for the first time. You know, the show does a really great job of skewing our expectations of what is good and really makes you ask a question of like, what would you do to survive? Which yeah. is kind of, the thesis for this series <laughs> that we're doing. Um, but the truth is, there is no heaven or hell that these people are going to. Uh, the participants are already dead. They're not going to die at the end of the game. It's already happened. Um, yeah. And they don't remember that they've died or what happens before the elevator doors open on Quindecum. Uh, yeah. The games do put their quote-unquote lives at risk however because even though there's no heaven or hell there is the option of reincarnation or the eternal void and you might be thinking i never asked to be alive once why would i want to be alive again <laughs> and i get it but the alternative the void is not only endless nothing it's actually a place where you are just a soul without a body forced to exist forever with only your sadness and pain and anger to keep you company. Like you're literally just all these awful emotions for eternity alone. Oh yeah. That's in the sucks. darkness. <laughs> yeah. All just, right. Yeah. And I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that or like you have to do it again, which arguably both are not great. Like they're like, you got to go over again, but these characters um, through their exploration tend to want to start over. The problem here is like, people don't remember that stuff. 
You're not going to, like, you, I don't remember, if I had a past life, I don't remember it. So it's not helping me be a better person right now. (laughs) Yeah, you still have to, like, deal with the reality of what being a people is. Yeah, I had to start from scratch, like, and be this person. So, so does everyone else. Um, But (laughs) it really, uh, it, it sounded horrific to me, and worse than hell in some ways. And it makes you wonder what kind of awful person could warrant such a traumatic end or continuation i guess because it's yeah. for eternity um throughout the season we're introduced to new people these contestants who are to be tested um we only get an episode or two tops with them and over the course of whatever game they're playing we see pieces of who they were emerge um each person like people are to be uh are complex yeah. they have lived in a full life until their death even if it was short, they lived it. <laughs> it's it's full of life and experiences. They all have regrets. They all have people that they miss. They all have secrets. And they all want to continue living to some degree. Like, all of them wish that they could change something or they want to go back for someone or, yeah, you know, they care about others. And it's really thrilling, like, because you're guessing uh, whether these characters are reliable, what kind of life they led, will the darkest parts of their soul send them to the void? And I really love the flow and the exploration of morality in the show, but this part, specifically this idea of the dark- darkness of the soul, didn't sit well with me. Yeah. So <laughs> let's get into the nuts and bolts of how one's morality is judged and their fate decided in Quindecum. So... We're in James Boiler Central. Boiler Central train leaving. So go watch the show. It's 12 episodes. It's on Hulu and Funimation. So super quick. And each episode's like 20 minutes. So watch it. Um, (laughs) Although it is weird to watch. uh, The the voice actors are really different when you're going sub to dub, just so you know. Yeah. what you got to do, we got to do. Um, but go watch it, pause, and then come back. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the problem with Arbiters. So Arbiters, uh, like Deckham, are beings that are human-like in appearance that law, that host and manage the games. Uh, they're like a GM in an RPG uh-huh. they, where they set up a scenario, they generate challenges, and they calculate your outcomes from a distance of like, yeah. the playing, right? Like, they're not telling the story. They're simply helping the participants navigate the world to get to the story's end. And the Arbiters have three rules. There's a fourth one that gets later revealed because of consequences, <laughs> because of situations. But uh-huh. the three fundamental rules that supposedly exist for them are kind of like... Um, Asimov's laws for the robots, right? Yeah. Where, you know, so that they don't get out of line. <laughs> it's kind of like that, like, stick to your job. Uh, so number one is arbiters cannot quit making judgments, for that is the reason why they exist. Mm-hmm. So what is my purpose? To serve butter. Yeah, um, it's like, like <laughs> It's like that. And then it's like, dang, really? That's it. This is what they do. But they also... Um, don't have emotions, so they don't care. Uh, number two, arbiters cannot experience death, for that would bring them too close to being human. So they're, like, eternal. Uh, three, arbiters cannot feel emotion, for they are merely puppets. There's emotionless puppets who get to decide if you're going to be a baby again or in an eternal void <laughs> of pain and sorrow. So, yeah, fun. I guess the argument is they're objective and it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh. um, the show's through line story, like the background storyline, yeah. uh, really seeks to explore this puzzle of who the Arbiters are and what gives them the right to do this and if this is right. Um, it, it's this question of like, can beings that do not have emotion have not lived and so then tr- cannot truly understand the impact of death judge the lives of humans? <laughs> it's like, oh, you'll be yeah. human if you experience death. But you also don't understand what death is and why people would do what they do to not do death. Yeah, you can't really judge if someone's good if you don't have, like, a context. Because yeah. it's so uh, subjective that it's it's not, you know. Yeah, it's you, hard. yeah there's, too, there's too many variables that you're yeah. not getting. <laughs> yeah. You're not putting in, like, the emotions, that's the biggest variable. And yeah. you're not... You, you don't, don't understand, like, the complexities of, like, the human mind. Yeah, uh, and just, like, of life. Because yeah. you, like, and it's a question that happens a lot in the show is, like, 
do we even know what life is? Like, we've never had life because we don't know what death is. And so, like, they're, like Nona has that whole thing, which is why she kind of stirs it up because she's like, somebody right here. Yeah. Um, Deckham has a new assistant to help him with his judgments. It is the dark-haired woman who cannot remember her name. Yeah. And it is later revealed that she is named Chiyuki and is a human Ooh. Uh, that Deckham uh, previously failed to judge. So he's given more time with her to figure it out. But uh, Deckham also has emotions, which is why he didn't know what he was doing um, and why she has such an impact on him versus like some of the other arbiters that you see in the show who are like, I don't get it. Yeah, like they're really Just detached from to the it. void. I don't care, which is a problem. Uh, <laughs> it's like, this is like iRobot, okay? Um, with her alongside him, uh, he's shown, honestly, how barbaric and cold the method to which these judgments are made can be, um, that they're flawed. Uh, yeah. The arbiters have this, like, device that they use to further agitate and stress the players, Um some of the uh so they can like push it to like cause a disturbance so that now they're stressed um there's also sometimes like time limits that weren't previously explained and then as soon as you cross them it's like haha now it's harder um or sometimes they just outright inflict pain by having the whatever pieces of the game resemble uh body parts and so when you do things with them now you hurt so like uh there's like a game with darts and yeah. when they threw the dart, it would hit, like, a, a body part on the yeah. chart. And that would cause pain for the yeah. other person. Um, <laughs> which is just... And, and all of that, like, the agitation and the, like, behind-the-scenes pulling of all these strings are with the intent to bring out the darkness of the soul so they can judge the human's true nature. Yeah. Uh, which is... Stupid. <laughs> so let's talk about the darkness of the soul and why I have a problem with it and why morality is honestly a gray area. Yeah. So in an article on Kotaku titled Death Parade is About Life, Death, and the Darkness of the Human Heart by Richard Eisenbees. I hope I said your name right. The writer asks, is it right to judge people not at their best, but at their worst? Um, great question. And uh, Deckham and the other arbiters are tasked with judging the darkest parts of people, while they themselves lack the full understanding and depth of, depth of human emotion and experiences, because yeah. they're not allowed. <laughs> so you're putting people through their paces, and then you're looking at it, and you're like, it looks like they're upset. <laughs> like, and so it's so weird, where, like, you know? <laughs> one of the, the ar- 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 arbiters... Like, ends up keeping a, a human for a little bit because he just can't understand why she does what she does because he just yeah. doesn't understand like, why? the complexity of people. He's like, why wouldn't A equal A plus B equals C? Like, I, when did we get over here? Yeah. Um, so when it's revealed that Deckham can feel emotions, um, which is a, an experiment by Nona, it's a catalyst for Deckham's minor rebellions and later mm-hmm. his emotional breakdown uh, <laughs> because they can't have emotions. So Eisenbeast goes on to say, it's clear from the start that there are some serious flaws in said system. Despite being granted a portion of their guests' memories as part of the game, the arbiters are nonetheless left unable to digest the data in any of the any but the most objective, i.e. emotionless, way. And as the games only bring out the darkest and most emotional parts of people, this can lead to incorrect judgments. Which is super true. Yeah. (laughs) And I disagree with most of the judgments that are made in the show. Uh, Because humans are complex. Mm -hmm. None of us are all good or all bad. We're a plethora of experiences, emotions, and desires. (laughs) Just a big old bag of them. Yeah. Uh, and throughout our lives, we're put through challenges that can alter who we are. In fact, we see in the show how a certain traumatic event can turn a hero, or supposed hero, into a villain. <laughs> and honestly, yeah. like the worst villain in the show, I feel like, um, besides that one arbiter. <laughs> I think he's, yeah. he's a pretty bad villain. Um, and we see how love can influence us to do reckless, hopeless things, such as lying to relieve someone of pain, even if that results in your own soul being banished to the void. Yeah. Because you want to protect someone you love, even though 
it's no fault of your own that they're hurting. Yeah. Um, in an article on Slash Film titled Death Parade is a Bloody Anime Version of the Good Place by, by Rafael Motomayor, they go on to explain how the conditions these games are in uh, negatively impacts the intended neutral effect the arbiters are setting out to accomplish. The question then becomes, how can anyone properly pass judgment upon others without empathy? The arbiters believe their lack of emotions make them fit to do their job. But the games start resembling torture sessions as the show goes on, with the character questioning whether the arbiters are really revealing the darkness inside the guests or simply creating it. Um, <laughs> valid. Uh, <laughs> I have an issue with the tests of judgment and everyone else should as well, because it's a problem. Obviously, that's the whole point of the show. Um, my problem is them being conducted after death and that they're not an accumulation of your experiences in life. As if your yeah. entire life meant nothing. Yeah, like, like it really seems like done. it wasn't. Inf- like they didn't take that into account enough, the memories. Yeah. It's like, it kind of tells you, but you're not even, you don't remember anything. So you can't even make entirely accurate decisions you don't, you don't remember you the things that shaped who you are exactly like so you don't have that knowledge to help like really accurately showcase the person you like became through just living yeah and like people aren't like just one event like you can't just clean slate people and then they are who they are no you are what has happened to you you are what you have done when things have happened to you like yeah at least with Christianity, you get some, like, redos, or at the very least, you got just, like, a dude up there looking over the book of your life to make judgments, and you're like, I can't argue with that. Like, yeah. I see the part that you highlighted, and that was a dark part of my life, but it is valid, and it is something that happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, but what about this part over here? Like, you know, like, at least <laughs> could be up there and argue a case. But you put one stressful time, and you're like, this is it exempt from anything I've ever done. So it's like, imagine you're being put under extreme stress. Your life is on the line and whatever you do in that moment determines whether you go to an endless torturous void. I don't know about you, but I've had some terrible, no good, very bad days. And to be judged for just one of those would be insanity. <laughs> I've had dark times. I've had things that I've done and I regret. And I would hate for that to be the one thing. Like, yeah, I've never like been forever. murder. That I get. Murder, you can judge me for. <laughs> like, what? Um, so to reduce the human experience to a singular manipulated event is flawed and problematic. I would argue that Death Parade is not the good place because in the good place, the people are judged by their lives. And the and they're like, there's obviously that rating system and it's also flawed. <laughs> and like, yeah. That's the exploration of like what is morality because it's it's judging like your individual individual actions and the uh, motivations for those actions. Yeah. Totally applicable. That's not happening here. Um, <laughs> so it, with that, it's like what you lived and through like the, the issues that you've gone through um, help you consider what is good. But in Death Parade, you are only ever the worst parts of yourself. Yeah. Uh, so Motomayor in that article goes on in their piece to say, despite your actions, the show's ultimate question isn't about, about reward for living a good life or punishments for the sins we commit. Instead, it's a show about the question of is life worth living? Uh, and furthermore, it's about how desperate we all are to go back and do it again. Like, even though we're like, oh, I don't want to live again, you do. Because <laughs> the trick here is if you want it, like, like you're leaving behind people that you care about. And most of the people who died, even the people who unalived themselves, have regrets and wish that they could change that or realize there are people who cared about them. And with that knowledge, they can go, and if you keep the knowledge, can be better people. But that's not happening here. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's it. Um so I think the trick here is if you want life too much, then you're doomed as well. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, we see that in one with one of the characters who has done nothing but fight her entire life yeah. to live and just exist and not let people treat her like trash. And she's not a great person, but who would be <laughs> after yeah. the life she lived? So she, but she continues to want to do that. And she yeah. put up against someone who had the complete opposite. Yeah. 
And she is the one who meets her void-driven demise in Quindecum. That, to me, is crazy. I think neither one of them deserved it, but, like, her, like, the fact, like, her downfall was that she wanted to live yeah. so badly that it made her bad. And I'm like, what is the point of this? Why wouldn't you want people who want to live to go live again? Yeah, <laughs> anyway. that's fair. Many of the decisions angered me. Uh, frankly, all but one of the people who came through deserved to, to go to the void, in my opinion. Um, that's it. Everyone else, I'm like, nah, I think they're good. Bring them, yeah. put them back. Uh, literally just one. And he was awful. Um, and with that person, it was clear that his life traumas had so greatly affected his outlook on life that it then influenced how he was acting in the afterlife bar and like he was irredeemable that like he was just like it corrupted him yeah his soul was wonky at that point um (laughs) he just like went all the way over there everyone else has a minute um i think like you know it's on the surface obviously the arbiters are missing out on human emotion but there's also this miss they're missing out on human connection as well like they're missing Mm -hmm. out on like what other people mean to us and that we're not solitary beings like we saw what happens when you're solitary and you're not looking at the people around you Mm -hmm. that was the first unalive person we got like uh and so it's like they're missing so much of the human experience by just not having any of it (laughs) so like how can you judge us uh and honestly it i the whole every single one was a tough decision like to watch and to think to myself like at the end of the day like i really just couldn't figure out what it is i would have done in those situations and like throughout you know this year like you know i might throw around like oh i'd do this and i'd try to solve this puzzle whatever like these i was like i don't know like yeah, <laughs> I'm like all of a sudden remembering my feelings and I'm trying to remember and I'm dead and like what do I do but like there's a lot to unpack and you're not really giving me time and you're putting me under a lot of stress and you're telling me it has to be the darkness of my soul like what do you I don't want to do this I, I yeah. want to go home <laughs> I want to not um, <laughs> so the last piece of it is is it really horror and 100% like the topic itself is horrifying Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're like, is it horror, horror? And I, I think so. I think the first game of darts where it has like the participants throwing the, the darts and then it causes them pain. There's mm-hmm. like it, it, the comedic kind of episode, but they're like bowling balls and there's the heart. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. the heart. And he puts his finger in there and it's like, he can feel the girl's heart. And he's like, she's so warm inside. And I was like, no. It's <laughs> like, no, no, sir. We're not doing that today. Yeah. Uh, there are these hideous and unsettling mannequins that represent the people who've come through Quindecum that Deckham doesn't even remember. <laughs> so they're just, yeah. they're nothing. They're just glamour. And then there's the disgusting former leader, Oculus, who has this flower goatee and ponytail that unravels and suctions onto people's faces yeah. and, like, absorbs their memories or something. And he, like, <laughs> blossom it. And one part, one of his lines was, like, you made my flower shrivel. And I was, like, stop. <laughs> it's, like, you canceled. You need to leave. You need to go. <laughs> yeah. I want him dead. Like, if there's a season two, he's gone. <laughs> like, Nona <laughs> kills him in his sleep. I don't know. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's horror. And, like, not even to mention the understanding of the void, the fact that people are dead, and that some of the people even committed murder or were murdered or both. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's full, it's full of horror. A little so, column A, a little column B. <laughs> sometimes it's, like, overlapping the diagram here. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> horrifying. Like, dude, the flower, that was, like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Send my flower shriveled. I was, like, get up. You're canceled. You're canceled. You need to go away now. It's <laughs> enough of you. That's enough out of you. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so, so real. I mean, the show is just so it. cool. Like, in concept, in a lot of ways. Like, it's like, whoa, you're doing a lot. And it is extremely stressful. And I, I agree with you. It's definitely horror in, like, the way that these things are proposed. And I would argue the reason that the Arbiters can't feel emotion is not because they're puppets, but because the reality and the weight of what their actions would mean and how that would mm. impact them would be so heavy. That's so real. Like, like I feel like they that? would all quit <laughs> if they had the ability to feel emotions. Um, and I think yeah. that's something Nona just like didn't comprehend, like the, the damage 
She like broke him. Yeah, like you can't judge, like arguably, we are not, like you cannot judge, you can't be the judge and executioner. That's not something that like, people can cope with and not turn out horrible from mm-hmm. um, because not the act in of itself yeah. is a trauma, you know, like it is a horrific and traumatic experience. Um, so I would argue that's more probably why they don't want them to feel emotions. Cause, oh, cause you real. can't like, how can you just do tomorrow knowing yeah, the like full back to, back emotional the reality of the stressful situation that you literally just canceled them forever? Like, yeah, it's a Monday. Yeah. And it's like, that was so traumatic for me. It's like, why don't I remember it? Because it was a Wednesday for you. Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Very true. But it's also Uh, like you, yeah. Like, who do you become when you're doing that every day? Yeah. And then at some point you're going to be swayed because that trauma is going to build up. And now it's like you're it's gonna, gonna try change to let who you are. Yeah, incarnated. We're gonna have overpopulation. You're gonna real. be the guy who needed to be sent to the void, but now you're the one making the decisions forever. Yeah, true. Um, true. But yeah, yeah, that's so true. Because he says uh, that he was like, "You're him. You're the same person." And I was like, "Yeah,", yeah. which is like, it, and it, it is. So it's so stress. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm like I broke. I'm broken. <laughs> you broke my brain. <laughs> oh, don't worry. It's only going to get worse from here. Um, <laughs> my section is stressful purely from uh, this. You're going to feel exhausted afterwards, and I just want you to understand that you're going to listen to this for 20 minutes, and that's how my brain sounds 24 hours a day. That's so good. welcome to my brain. That's how we're going to start it. Uh, <laughs> Death Parade does a fantastic job of outlining the complexities of the human experience in a way that is built up of just like so many nuances um, and that makes judgment and it showcases how difficult judging another person and their life and their experiences is and how subjective it arguably is as well based on like the context of their existence and who they are. Um, Mm -hmm. this is a concept that like many philosophers for all of time, as well as religious figures and other people who are just trying to understand life have been trying to work through for like all of human existence. Um, there's endless approaches, concepts, ways of viewing what good and what is evil. And that can be argued until you're blue in the face and like out of breath. And ultimately no one wins because there's no answer. At the end of the day, in my opinion, yeah. ultimately, okay. uh, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, the way you experience in the world is like influences how we view the world. And then these concepts like kind of all, they all interact with each other. So like how we influence the or how we experience the world influences how we view the world and then further influences our actions within that world. So you can't just take a person, plop them down in a scenario where they don't have any of that, that context and then know who they are. Um so essentially Gabe's whole argument. <laughs> Yay. Um, and essentially, you know, like philosophy, if you don't know what it is, I'm going to give you a little definition. Philosophy is the study of the nature of existence, knowledge, truth, and ethics. Um, it involves the consideration of the most fundamental questions of who we are and examines, fil- examines philosophical thought across the breadth of history right up into present day. So it's kind of like everything that everyone has considered about what it is to be a person. Um for all of time, kind of contextualized for you. So there are many minds that have influenced the way in which society has been formed. And because of our patriarchal and racist society within American academia, most of those voices are con- that are considered and recognized and uplifted from an academic standpoint are all the voices of men. More specifically, mm-hmm. uh, white men of Western oh, society. Um, this is something that has even influenced how American academia recognizes non-Western philosophers, often only recognizing the teachings of other men. Um, not exclusively, just like anything, there is always an exception. Uh, but when you Google the word philosopher, it shows a very long list of just Western European men. <laughs> Plato, Aristotle, Socrates... Frederick Nietzsche, René Descartes, Immanuel Kant, all just German, French, Greek men. Mm-hmm. Uh, it keeps going. There's more. Uh, and like Confucius is in the second screen. Like, so if you keep when scrolling you scroll. and <laughs> yeah. at the end of the second screen, there's one lady who is a white lady. Um, 
I don't know who she was, uh, but she's there. Um, yeah. And then there's another lady and then another just long array of men. Yeah. Um, I point this out not to like invalidate the their viewpoints or like what they've done for society. It's just kind of a analysis, if you will, um, kind of recognizing what is highlighted and questioning why. Um, you're looking at this and you're like, wow, I really see who isn't at the table. Wonder why that is. Babe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like, what is the cause there? Uh, racism and patriarchy. Uh, so yeah. essentially, I, yeah, I'm not trying to like invalidate the fact that like Aristotle said some stuff that was good. Probably, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but the argument that, that that's not the problem here is ultimately like the voices that are being acknowledged are not a diverse variety of human beings and human experiences and are very much oriented towards one group of people. Mm -hmm. um, so the reason so I say this mostly limited. is just to invite you to think critically when you're exploring things, when you're looking up your own philosophy and stuff acknowledge that other thoughts exist and that they're probably just as good, if not better um, than the ones that our history within America has decided are important. Um, and essentially philosophy is a fantastic way. And it's a tool for finding new ways of thinking as well as like to justify and solidify old ways of thinking. So there's good and danger um, associated with this kind of exploration of thought uh, and yeah, just question things, think things yeah. critically. The fun thing about historiography is ex exploring like why certain voices were uplifted over others. And it's fascinating. It's nauseating, but it's fascinating. <laughs> um, so who are some philosophers? Uh, as someone who like actively has studied philosophy as part of my education that actively haunt me with the words <laughs> that they put into my brain. Um one that really impacted me in my early 20s was the Lao Tzu, uh, or Lao Tzu, uh, specifically the book The Tao Te Ching, or The Way. This book uh, is described by worldhistory.org as an anti-authoritarian treatise, which posits that the way of virtue lies in non-action through a recognition of the natural universal force known as the Tao. The Tao floats, flows, words, flows without effort and like water goes where it will without striving and affects change and growth. To be virtuous within this, uh, one should emulate the Tao and engage in non-action, not forcing or an effect or an outcome. Human-made laws, it claims, cannot make one virtuous and cannot contribute to good behavior, inner peace, or empathy with others because they are not in tune with nature. It is only by recognizing the Tao that one's connection to it and all things that they may achieve these goals. Um, and this hit me for a lot of reasons. I have the book over here. It's pretty. I learned about it. I too. <laughs> yeah, it's a good book. Uh, it's, it's just interesting, ultimately. I and it hit me a lot. other name. Yeah, it has other names as well. Um, so it hit me in a lot of ways, both from the standpoint of recognizing the ways in which action and inaction can both simultaneously have lasting and devastating consequences, um, as well as the understanding of the ways in which the society I personally live in actively disobeys that line of thinking uh, that is outlined in the book. Uh, the American system is built upon superimposing a universal morality that deems someone a good person by their ability to function within the society that is capitalistically productive and structurally obedient to certain laws. Um, in many ways, a very authoritarian method of upholding certain values um, that ultimately doesn't encourage really internal growth at all um, and instead encourages complacency and obedience to this set of laws that have been outlined by upper society. Um, in essence, this obsession with presenting yourself as what society would consider a good person outweighs the actual like work that it would take to authentically be one. Um, and that this in many ways has shifted like my value system from priority, prioritizing the meeting of other people's expectations of who I should be within the society um, to upholding like what is authentically important to like me. Um, and it also is why I find it really hard to reconcile like pursuits that are for like inauthentic or like ra or rather unnatural things like money 
things, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like there was another aspect of the book that also really stuck with me and how an approach to like taking new information and ways of thinking, which after like learning about this, I was like, wow, that's like my whole vibe. And I <laughs> forgot that this was probably why. <laughs> Um, so there's a section of the book that kind of goes through like the different ways of thinking and it's yield and overcome. One cannot fully listen to another person's views. If one is full of one's own, uh, yielding to another encourages personal growth, uh, bend and become straight. One cannot reach an accord with someone else. If one is unwilling to compromise and one cannot correct bad behavior, if one is unable to accept criticism, um, empty and become full. One has little hope of success in in any expertise or relationship if one clings to what one thinks they know instead of opening oneself up to new ideas and other views. Um, Essentially just recognizing and embracing the natural flow of change and adaptability, recognizing the ways in which like I will always have room to grow. Like I ain't that cool. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I am actively always aware (laughs) But there are things I don't know and that I need to know and I need to be remain like remain open to that. So it's like that's kind of cool. It was like, wow, I learned something in school. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Um most of the philosoph- philosophical texts that influence my current ways of thinking stem from this like battle between action and inaction and what ultimately is necessary the necessary direction we must follow. So like uh, also in college I read the Bhagavad Gita and I reread it as an adult human. And there's a lot in there that I think in reference to like trying to figure out what the heck you're supposed to do as a people Um, in that there's like lots of like life lessons and stories. So that center around this idea of the consequences that result both from action and in inaction. Um, Specifically in the Gita, there's a story of Arjuna and I'm going to very simply outline it. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. a very long book with lots of complex things going on. I can by no means summarize it within like a few seconds. But um, Arjuna is going through this dilemma of like kind of should he fight in this war that ultimately result in him having to murder his friends and family because he's on this other side. Um, And there's this obviously like a lot more going on. But Arjuna's dilemma for me kind of outlines the dilemmas many humans face when it comes to trying to find the right thing to do in a difficult situation. Uh, in that there are many different kinds of humans, some that will just act without thinking, others that, you know, only act with emotions or kind of fail to act at all from this like endless hesitation or apathy. Um, and the story outlines the journey of Arjuna in coming to this decision on whether to fight or not or do nothing, leaving his position and becoming a beggar is kind of like the alternative. He can either fight in this war or he can just be like, I choose to not fight my family and I realize that will make me lose everything that I have now and will ultimately just have to kind of wander um, yeah. and become a beggar. So there's this duty that is outlined in it called Dharma, which is associated with his specific status because he is a warrior. So he his ex- expectation is that because he's a warrior it is his destiny to like fulfill that role um Mm -hmm. and he's speaking with krishna and he's like what am i supposed to do in this situation he's kind of like going through all of that and then there's this discussion that's also very interesting that kind of aligns with death parade in that these are experiences within bodies and bodies are separate from the soul like the soul is what gets reincarnated uh, but these bodies that inhabit like your friends and family are inhabiting are temporary vessels. Um, so in murdering them, like you're just sending them to their next <laughs> area of reincarnation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, these are just flesh prisons and ultimately like you have to fulfill your duty or your Dharma. Cause that's like what you're supposed to, that's how you like live a fulfilling life. Um, and then there was this whole discussion throughout, like in his dilemma that it's basically the fact that he is having a dilemma is what makes him a virtuous person. The fact mm-hmm. he's thinking through this from multiple ways that he's remaining open to other scenarios and like outlining that like he understands there is an impact here mm-hmm. um, that will ultimately influence like him as a person and like how he views the world. And there's lots of implications of the directions that his actions could take that are stressful. And like that in of itself makes him virtuous. Um, and ultimately... And like trying to explain this, like, because it's a a part of the basis of Hinduism is like that these are situations that like, obviously not everyone's going to have to fight their family in a war. Um, (laughs) That's not a scenario. But like the message from it is something that like can be taken into like everyday life. um, And that like people, normal people who can experience like 
the ways in which they might have to go against their family in their lifetime uh, within these bodies. Um, and that like that might, if it goes against like their duty, like there's like a thing that they have to kind of uphold and that sometimes that goes against like what the people you care about in your life may agree with. Like who you are as authentically as a person may be different than what you're, the people you love and care about in your current situation are like able to accept. Uh, and mm-hmm. sometimes you still just got to be you. Um, at least that's like my interpretation. Uh, and there are many ways that these lines of thinking kind of like between the Bhagavad Gita and the, the uh, Tao Te Ching, uh, both contrast as well as overlap. Um, there's like this understanding of remaining open and able to learn and explore different lines of thinking, as well as this like conflict between existing within the flow of nature and existing within your line of duty to others and whatever your true purpose or arguably like destiny is that broke my brain, I think. Mm-hmm. In college. <laughs> Cause I was like, how, which is more important Do you, your duty or like the flow the of like yeah like the people you care about or just like the flow of like what you're authentically supposed to do. like what what are what what is the answer though because that's arguably like, from a neurodivergent end like i use school as a way to contextualize the world specifically in learning about philosophy and like history it was like my understanding of what people were because i just endlessly don't understand them so at the end of this i was like well okay this is a lot of information. I have all this information. What the heck do I do? The answer is I don't know. And it haunts me. Um, there are obviously countless ways to explore the world and our impact on it. And there are countless ways of thought to act as a means of rationalizing the human experience that confuse me endlessly. And I find myself in a similar conundrum as Cheaty from The Good Place. Uh <laughs> Put the peeps in the chili pot and add the M&Ms. You put the peeps in the chili pot, it makes it taste bad. The actual ethical system that you should all follow is nihilism. The world is empty. There is no point to anything, and you're just gonna die. So do whatever. Chidi is someone who is overwhelmingly knowledgeable of ethics and often this ends up causing him to obsess over these things um which is something i relate to uh and it goes to the point where it's like even his most insignificant actions he's evaluating them on whether or not they're ethical such as like telling his friend that he liked his boots but then admitting later like i this has haunted me i didn't actually like your boots i'm so sorry (laughs) and it just like The show, like, makes him this comical character of, like, how overwhelmed he is. And it's just like, nah, though, but I get it. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, it's obvious it keeps him from success. And, like, that's the whole thing. If you relate it back to Arjuna's dilemma, it's like, while exploring all the possible outcomes of your actions, there can be ways that there's, like, a positive, but also, like, and leading you to live a more thoughtful experience. But also, if you're doing that to the point where you make yourself sick... It's less productive, you know, Um, but as someone whose brain actively operates in a very similarly exhausting fashion, I really get it. Um, I am overwhelmed (laughs) constantly by all the possible outcomes and implications of every breath I take that it's sometimes hard to breathe at all. Essentially, the weight of existence being that there are no good choices to make and both action and inaction have lasting consequences that extend past our conscious understanding of ourselves and that the complexities of the human emotions are very difficult or nearly impossible to predict. Humans in all their chaotic glory will endlessly surprise me probably surprise other people as well uh in the ways that they act in ways that are either inauthentic to their true intentions or feelings be them compassionate or cruel like they all do things and you're like wait why what every all the information i had up until this point gave me plausible rely like i could think that this is going to be the thing that happens and then that's not the thing that happens and i just don't it just doesn't make sense to me um 
ultimately creating this endless cycle where you just feel caught off guard and you just don't know what's happening. From a neurodivergence perspective, the exploring of philosophy and the human experience is as fascinating as it is nauseating. The process of existing in relation to other human beings is something I find endlessly confusing, and I'm often left dumbfounded when an interaction that I've practiced 17 times alone in my room doesn't go as planned. Um, the endless mental math that goes on in my head where I weigh all the possible reasons someone has for not responding to a message I sent them consumes all my waking hours. There's a somewhat constant hum of my subconscious outlining every and all possible interactions I've ever had with a person that could cause them to be mad at me, equally crippled by the reality that there are factors that exist completely, completely external to myself that could influence their lack of a response. That that person could be in the hospital right now, and they now have 1,200 messages from me where I've started with, hey, and ended with, sorry for that one time I forgot I got you the wrong chips. I should have known what your favorite chips were. I'm a failure of a friend. Please forgive thoughtless action, and I will try to do better in the future. Um, ultimately, existence and the figuring out what the right thing to do is really complicated, like always, um, and really hard. And the fact that the path to this experience is endless, exchange of energy that in nourishing one area leaves another unfed, ultimately at all moments resulting in unexpected consequences or harm to everything around me until I stop breathing. And honestly, maybe long after that sometimes makes my brain want to explode. Um, and I have the capacity to be wrong almost all the time. And at the end of the day, my suggestion for sanity after all this philosophy time um, <laughs> is to forgive yourself a little bit. Forgive yourself a little bit because you try to do what's best for what your heart tells you is right. But you got to be willing to understand and accept when it's not and learn from those moments and try to do better tomorrow. But it's hard to be people. And mm -hmm. we don't know what happens when we're gone. We don't we have no clue. There's no there's no way to know. Yeah, and it's and you hard. You can't live for that. You can't live for what could <laughs> yes. possibly be at the ends of now. Like, you know, for sure we have now. Yeah, you know for sure we have today. So do your best today. That's why and everything is tomorrow. That's like about enlightenment is like be present in the moment. Mindfulness, yeah. be present in the moment because that's all you can really do. And there was another story that I couldn't find, but it was one that also really messed me up. That was about this guy who was like a priest or something. And he wanted to do good purely so he could be reincarnated into a higher caste, not because like he actually cared about anybody ever. And that like mm -hmm. made me think. And it was like a story that I was like, wow, that's like such a human thing, you know, um, and like really evaluating like why you people do like good playing things. The system kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's like when people like, you know, when you give to charity or like the people who record themselves. Yeah. Given like a, a, a houseless person, like money or something mm -hmm. or like, you know, like that's not why you should be doing that. It doesn't count. You just negate yeah. it. And it's like kind of did. that whole like authentic versus not. And that's where like, I always found like the Tao like really fucking interesting. Excuse me, cursing. I forgot what I was doing for a minute. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, just found it really interesting because it's literally that. It's like you need to be authentic to like the natural version of yourself so that like if you're going to do good stuff, you can't just say like murder isn't allowed because then it's not, no one's not murdering for a good reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. I said that in a really wild way, but I think you understood what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I do understand what you're saying. It was wild, but I do understand. It's just, yeah, you like superimposing morality onto people doesn't make them actually good people. It just makes them obsessed with being perceived as good so that they get the rewards of being good uh, instead mm -hmm. of actually just doing it because they're a good person. Yeah, the um, reward isn't that they're good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like you can spend oh, a whole a life. Today. Yeah. Mm. In the good place, the lady. What's the lady's yeah. name? I forget her name. But that's her whole thing is like she mm -hmm. was doing good stuff. She was performative, yeah. But it was performative, so she didn't end up in the good place because it's like. Um, but yeah, I think like the show and what you're saying is all that like the way that like your exploration of the philosophy broke your brain, the show broke my brain because I was yeah. like, what is right? What do you do when you're just yeah. <laughs> judged on this one moment and you can't be who you were or are and you're just playing a game and you're caught off guard. Like it's so manipulative <laughs> and like, yeah. but it really does like that, that ending where you, your question, which like broke me is just essentially like who gets to decide there it's, that's impossible. There's no one who can. And yeah. so like at the end of the day, it's really you who can decide and, and who's going to, yeah. 
That's why you got to forgive yourself sometimes. Like, yeah. The people who are hardest on ourselves are like the ones who probably like need to cut, cut yourself some slack. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, you're probably doing like the fact that you, I love that you said that, like the fact that you're worried and that you're thinking about it is honestly already the start of the work. Of yeah. Being a good person. It's like the first indicator. To think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is so great. Cause I overthink all the time and I'm always just like, I said this thing and now it's the worst. Um, where I'm it's like, hard I need to call that person and just apologize because my eyes were a little dead when I answered them. It's <laughs> like, so real though. Like it's like the endless. And then when it's just like constant, it's like, yeah. I am also tired by having to talk to me. Um, <laughs> I, I know <laughs> so, uh, to tell you, it's just a lot to be me in here. And I'm sure it's a lot to be you in here. And it's, and then we're Being, both here. Am I right? It's <laughs> yeah. It's horrible, but also like we do it. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice. Yeah. So you gotta forgive wanna, yourself. And I don't want to go to the void, but I don't want to be yeah. reincarnated. Yeah. So I when, mean, ultimately, when, a lot of back? things. It's just like the path to feeling better is to live in the moment and just tomorrow you did it. You're alive. That's a victory. Yeah. Just keep doing that, and like ultimately the. There's lots of thoughts of thinking that it's like, you don't really have to do anything. Even just the fact that you exist, your nature, you are, you are a thing that exists and that's amazing. And good job. Like you don't got to do anything else other than that. Um, And I just considered capitalism and other things just very unnatural and it's stressful to me. And it just doesn't make sense at all. Um, Yeah. Cause it also like, it will influence people's interactions. Yeah. They're striving for something that's inauthentic and doesn't actually matter, mean anything. Um, like, well, that's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah, money is a real burden. It's, it's not, nothing at all. Um, <laughs> so. Half the money is imaginary. We just say it's there and we just say it, you know, we're just like, all right, cool. We have a card that says it's there. We gave it meaning. It doesn't have to. We yeah, just one exactly. day be like, no, it's not. <laughs> No, that's, it's not. We don't. That's my hope. Actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> just exchange good for some of that. Um, yeah. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think this series is going to be a lot of this, of us just being like, how? How exist? Live. Yeah. How be good person? How be do? <laughs> and survive. Like, <laughs> what do you yeah. back against wall? Like, you know, like, yeah. uh, it's going to be that the whole time. So that's the human um, experience, I guess. How be good person and still live, though? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Even in not uh, murder games, just how yeah, tomorrow just like go straight up life. Just go be and how yeah. not like on just a regular Monday. Through an action actively harm people. Like Yeah. yeah. What do you do? what does anyone do ever? We're all just trying the world and is, I think that's the thing. Everyone know. needs to cut each other some slack too. Because we're all just trying to live. Yeah. Um and if we could do that and you know, will ourselves to bend. Every thought that's negative that anyone could have ever had about me, I also have in my brain oh my doing it Before myself. You, yeah, I did it better. So. I, I was just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> they I could know. probably hate me for these seven reasons of the seven times that I was not great that once. And you know what I mean? And it's like that's forever in my brain now. Yeah, I constantly fight the urge <laughs> to like message people like, sorry, I did that thing like seven months ago because I'm like, they don't remember. They do not know that I did that thing seven months ago. It yeah. is not haunting them. But for yeah, me, it's, it is though for you. Like there are things like I have, like there's like, <laughs> like makeup thing. Like when I'm putting on makeup, there's a specific story that I th- go through every single time I do my eyeliner. Yeah. Every single time, no matter what. I'm just like, remember that time? Mm-hmm. Every morning I, I wake up and I remember that I got you the wrong blush for your birthday and I hate myself a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what it is i was like is it thoughtless because i still got it i got her something but then also it was the wrong one and then that's thoughtless because then it should have been the right one because she told me the right one and if i cared i would have done it <gasps> you know what i mean it's just I like mean, that i'm wearing the blush you got me that's good okay. I'm doing it. Um, i think this is why we're good friends because <laughs> yeah, we're both, like, this is we're we're both just screaming internally uh, until we yeah, stop until we die so I hope you liked it, and I hope you subscribe. <laughs> I look like this today. Gabe looks Phil- like that. It's fun. Philosophical chat. Hello. Like, we have philosophical debates while in this, okay? Yeah. While- yeah, it's, I have a drink that looks like I made it 
Because I'm a bartender slash arbiter. So, yeah, I didn't have a fancy cup. I looked everywhere. They were only ones I had were like black wine glasses. And I was like, well, then you can't see the liquid. So what's the black wine glasses, too? I think that's for me. Uh, my I... partner is a mixologist. Yeah. A hobby. Mixologist. Well, they do make good drinks. So you're not wrong. And I always got like we have like we have like seven of these. And then yeah. other fancy like we have sake cups and a little sake board. Like it's ridiculous. I'm like, I just yeah. need amazing you have, jar you have a decanter because that's fancy alcohol <laughs> yeah. drink method no we do not have a decanter yeah but we have like the wine stopper that you just twist on there and stuff yeah decanter would be gotta cool. let it sit but they don't drink wine i do yeah and i'm not fancy <laughs> we have a lot of wine glasses i'm gonna use a mason jar you're like it's a cup it exists i drink Coffee from cup. it what do you, why you do i need fancy cups. cup i have regular cup i have jar I, you put the liquid in the <laughs> thing and i put it in my mouth what is it why why need more my house is my cat gonna judge me she's not trust yeah. me <laughs> she's seen far worse yeah um <laughs> so. ultimately the decider of if you had a good life or not is you so just try to be nicer to yourself because you deserve yeah. it friend yeah and le- unless you're that guy in the show he was the worst he was messed up and also yeah. like i get it like yeah he went through it's some hard stuff. totally get it but he became like he was like if batman were evil yeah Okay, did like, you know I already think Batman is evil, so... Yeah. Did you know there's people who don't have anxiety and don't think that? It's hard. Existence, am I right? It's torturous. Here we are. Don't get married, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, don't uh, get married. Delete like, them. What yeah. does that mean? I don't know. Why do that we say that every time? It's she was so it. sad. That was, like, the saddest episode for me. was yeah. me with the five kids and the Just boy <laughs> who was sad. And I was like, both of you are valid like, in stop. what you were feeling. And don't yeah. do that. Like, yeah, just also, to stop, that's though. literally what she's had to do her entire life. I you cannot hate her for that. It's so stressful. Give her a different life where she doesn't have to do that. Yeah. And I bet she would be good. Yeah, like, uh, lots of people, it's like, they are, they react how trauma happened to them. So, like, hurt people hurt people. Like yeah. It's not like the rule. Like there's some hurt people who just do the better thing, but that's yeah. most people don't do that. I don't think she was going to therapy. Yeah, okay? like she was. <laughs> she was not she, working through. Who it. has money for therapy? Exactly. We're in she a society where money exists. So, if I get, your job don't give you insurance. Like, what do you mean? All right. We do this all oh day, my god. So we have to go. Do we? <laughs> we what? What do, what do we do now? Does it just end? <laughs> Just say bye. Tell them to subscribe. Uh, write us. Tell us your own existential woes. Email us. Your anxiety you, thoughts. Yeah. Tell us what you think makes a good person. That thought you had where maybe you met us once and you interacted weird and you, you thought like we hated you. We didn't. No, we probably thought that was rad. Yeah. We were like, yeah, cool. Unless you were like rude or gross. If you were like, if you were like Oculus and you have freaking flower goatee that eats people, I'm gonna have a problem. But besides yeah. that, probably fine. Besides that, you're probably fine. Probably yeah. a hook. Probably good. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't be rude. That's all. All right. Bye. Bye for real. <laughs>